Really, thank you to every one of the kids that helped us out uh, with that. And uh, how many of you love Zoom? <laughs> how many of you are like, if I never did Zoom again, I'd be a happy person? Anybody? But I know our children love doing Zoom meetings for school. I know they just love, uh, love that. Yeah, they're all... Yeah, one child. That's great. Well, I really, we wanted to uh, get our kids involved in uh, today's service. And uh, just with all the things going on, we felt like what better picture of our Christmas this year than Zoom and having to do things uh, socially distanced. And so uh, really great to, uh, to be with our kids for that. And thank you, parents, uh, for helping us uh, set up those times uh, with your kids uh, for doing that. So the series that we're in right now and actually ending today, uh, God With Us, um, this is the name that is given uh, back in that prophecy, way back in Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's a promise that we hold on to. This promise that we hold on to is that uh, actually God will be with us, right? That is his name. It's who he is. It's his character. And God says in his word that he will be with us. And this desire for God to be with us and that, that there's a human need that we have because we don't, um, our lives don't make sense, I don't believe, without God, right? And God is always revealing himself. God is always calling us to him. And uh, there's a passage of scripture, I don't have it up for you, uh, but it says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, and I've heard it described like this, that you're uh, standing in front of a, a hu humongous speaker and it is at the at, you know, full volume level and you're saying that you don't hear anything. And if you know anything about speakers, you can also feel it as well. And we have God all around us all the time. He's calling out to us because he is God with us. This God with us drives the human heart. It encompasses the deepest desires that we can express because we desperately need God. And I think in the season that we have been enduring over the past nine months, we recognize this more and more and more. And those who are far away from God, there's still a sense from them saying, I just have to have some ground in my life that is stable. But the story of his coming, the story of his arrival on the scene, the story of God's arrival on the scene is not like we, what we would expect. Yeah, we've heard it before, and for some of you, uh, this might be the 50th time that you've gone through a Christmas as one who is following Jesus. And so you, how many of you, um, you have been serving Jesus or following after Jesus for more than 30 years? Raise your hand. For more than 30 years, we've got a couple of children raising their hand. That's fantastic, <laughs> right? More than 30 years you've been serving Jesus, right? And so for those of us, and I put myself in that category, um, it, can, it can get to the point where the Christmas story starts to feel a little old, right? Because I've, I've heard it so many times. But we have to always remember, those of us who've heard it for a long time, we have to remember, and maybe in this room today, that there's somebody who is hearing this story for the very first time. In our culture, that seems amazing. In our culture, it doesn't seem like it should be that way, but uh, when we lived in Illinois, our neighbors that lived across the street, uh, she was, I think, about 33 when this happened, she had never been to church in her life until we invited her to church, and she was 33 or so years of age, never once been to church in America, right? So we can't make the assumption that everybody knows the story of Christmas, and so today what I wanted to do is read through the Christmas story, maybe 
that we could listen to it for the first time again. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. We've heard some of it from the kids and they're retelling. But it says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, who was a ruler of the world at that point, to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was uh, of the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the, uh, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So this is the, the bare bones story of the birth of Jesus. It seems relatively ordinary, doesn't it? That here's Mary and Joseph in a kind of out of the place part of the world uh, having a baby and it's mentioned here in the Bible that something dramatic is happening. Earlier in the story, and we heard the kids talk about this, uh, that an angel had come to Mary. Uh, also, an angel came to Joseph and said, hey, this is going to be a very unique situation. Get ready, <laughs> because nothing's impossible with God, and so we're going to do something incredible together. From an article that I read recently, and uh, the, the language is a bit lofty, so I'm going to let you know that ahead of time as I start reading this. Uh, we don't normally speak this way, and I don't talk this way, but here we go. It says this in this article, and I found it to be uh, very inspirational. It says, we do not seek and find a reclusive God, or we don't seek and find a God that's hiding from us. He pursues and overtakes a rebellious people. That's us. Right? We are a rebellious people. We know we do wrong things. We do not perforate his unapproachable light. He penetrates our unsearchable darkness. There's a darkness within us. Right? We feel it. We sense it. We've seen it on display in our world around us. We do not interrogate the Jesus of history to excavate the God of eternity. That infinite and eternal God storms space and time to confront us face to face in the face of Jesus Christ. I love that, that he confronts us face to face. This is God with us. This is the incarnation, the moment when heaven and earth intersect again in a, in a truly miraculous and dramatic way. It reminds us really, if you go back to the book of Genesis chapter one and two, the same sort of thing is happening in Genesis where God is walking with Adam and Eve. Now God is walking with all of humanity on the day of Christ's birth. But in this moment, in all the glory of this moment, God lies in a manger, a structure of wood to cradle this king. Luke chapter 2 going on, it says, now there were shepherds living uh, nearby, living out in the field. Now, these shepherds were probably no ordinary shepherds. Uh, while they did watch sheep like every other shepherd did, uh, there was something about these shepherds that was unique. Uh, these shepherds, uh, we, as we, we take a look at the Bible and the way that they're described, um, what we have is these shepherds were probably shepherds that were caring for the sheep that were used in the religious services of the Jews of the day. And these shepherds, or these sheep would be ones uh, whose lives would be given for the remission of the sins of the people of Israel. These sheep out there that these shepherds were watching over. So keep that in mind. 
So now there were shepherds living uh, out in the field, keeping guard over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. Absolutely terrified. Uh, the, the, the way that it's written, like in the original Greek, it says that they were afraid, afraid. Uh, they were, have you ever been like crazy afraid in your life? Have you ever been crazy afraid? I, I remember years ago, uh, I watched a movie, this is years and years ago, when I was just a young kid, probably 13 or 12, something like that, watching a movie that I probably shouldn't have been watching, and it freaked me out. Anybody ever watch a movie that freaks you out? Right? And it freaked me out as a little kid. And so I'm, I'm, I, I hop into bed, and you have that moment as a kid, and maybe now as an adult you still have this moment, where if anything is sticking out from underneath the cover... The monster is going to get you. Anybody, uh, anybody familiar with that? Is that, or is it just me? All right, some of the kids raising hand. Any adults able to raise your hand as well? That monster's going to get you at night. Okay, so that's that's kind of what I felt like in that moment. I was afraid, afraid, and so all night long, like if my leg would would get out and I would wake up, I'd pull my leg back in or pull my fingers back in. I mean, so the, all you have is just like your nose barely enough to breathe. That's how it was for me. I was afraid, afraid, and that's what these shepherds were. Afraid, afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they're being confronted in this moment with the glory of God. Now, this word for glory is a good Hebrew old word, and it's called kabod. And uh, that, that phrase really means weight. W-E-I-G-H-T, not weight like for service, but it's weight. There's something heavy about this moment that the shepherds are experiencing. The glory of God is breaking into their reality in a way that they did not expect, in a way that showed the power of God in a way that they had never experienced before. And I love this about God. God loves to break in in unexpected ways in your life. How many of you have things that God needs to break in unexpectedly in your life? Right there, there are things that are just around us, things that are happening uh, within and around us. We say, God, we need you to show up. The Christmas story is a perfect example of how God shows up. But uh, so, so they're afraid. The, the weight of God's glory is there in a way they've never experienced before. And this angel begins to speak to them. Says, "Don't be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people." Today, your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Then it says, suddenly, it's kind of like, here's this angel uh, giving this promise now to the, uh, to the shepherds. And all of a sudden, heaven cannot contain itself. And it, it's like, you know, uh, this, the, whatever this veil is between now and what's to come, this eternity, it's like it's ripped open and all of these angels flood into creation and they begin singing and praising God. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. It's an amazing moment for these shepherds. And in this moment, just like in the manger a few miles away, God is claiming his authority. He is the God who breaks in. He is the God who speaks to your situation. He's the God who, God who brings promises to you of hope. But we sang about it earlier, right? That, that hope has a name. His name is Jesus. This is what's being proclaimed in this moment, that the Savior is born. And I love it. The angel says that this is good news for all 
people. And that's the way it's written in the Bible. For all people, not just for those who are living at the time of Christ. It's for us as well today. So these instructions were given for them to go. And so these, uh, these shepherds in uh, Luke chapter 2, when the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I like this, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place that the Lord has made known to us. How many of you would follow uh, what the shepherds or what the angels had just said for you to do? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to follow this. The big old angel is going to squash me if I don't do this. So let me go do this. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in the manger. When they saw him, they related what they ha- what had been told about this or ha- had been told about this child. And all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned. I love what they, they returned. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. Folks, when we look at the word of God, when we read the stories that are told to us from the word of God, we can say the same thing that these shepherds have just said. Everything was just as we have been told. Folks, there is a trustworthy God who wants to tell the story of his son, Jesus Christ, and it shows up at Christmas time the best. And we tell the story because we need to know that God is with us. Um, and this isn't the end of the story. So a little bit later, after the manger scene has all happened, uh, Matthew relates a story to us in Matthew chapter 2. It's, uh, this story is filled with wonder as well as intrigue. We're not going to get into the intrigue uh, this morning. Um, I want to focus on one aspect, and this is the response of these newcomers that are to the story. Matthew chapter 2 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the one who's born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Here's where the intrigue happens that we're not going to get to. So if you're interested, continue reading verses three through through eight of Matthew chapter two. We pick up the story in verse nine. And once again, the star... Now, this star, by the way, might have been something very similar to what we're going to see if you're interested in astronomy uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow evening in the southwest sky, take a look there, and you have Jupiter and Saturn that are very, very close to one another. And uh, sometimes, uh, certainly back in uh, in the times when Jesus was, a lot of stock was put into signs in the heavens. And so these wise men very well could have seen something like this and realized, oh, something amazing is happening. But regardless, we know that there's a miracle associated with this as well because of what happened. So it says, once again, the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. This is where we know it's not just an astronomical sign. Something miraculous is happening as well. When they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. As they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened their treasure boxes, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. The one purpose that these shepherds came for was worship. That's it. 
That's the bottom line. There was nothing else they wanted to do. They didn't want to, uh, to try to curry favor. They didn't want to try to, uh, try to bend the will of the king towards what they wanted. What they wanted to do was to give their lives in worship to the king that they knew was being born. Remember, this was no ordinary king. This is no ordinary child. And the gifts that they bring are not gifts to try to coerce. These are gifts that come out of hearts of worship. The first one was gold, and, and that is that abundance and the generosity, right? How many of you would like a bucket of gold, right? I mean, right? We, we, but this gift was given to Jesus out of worship. And probably as the guy who was giving it, or one of the wise men that was giving it, was probably thinking to himself after he saw Jesus, this wasn't enough. I wish I could have given more. The other gift was Frankenstein. <laughs> Not really. Uh, the other gift was frankincense, right? And this frankincense also represented worship. This was something that was used in the worship in the temple, and it was, a, um, it was this very, very fine fragrance. It was incredibly valuable, and they would use it in their worship services. And the last one that was given was myrrh. And myrrh was a symbol of death. It was a symbol of suffering. And it really brings this picture, and, and we see that these gifts that were given really picture the life of Jesus that would unfold over the next 30-plus years as he would live a generous life. He would live a life of worship to his Father and then ultimately would be a life of suffering. Ultimately leading Jesus to the cross, which was another structure of wood, this time revealing the king in all of his suffering glory. In the manger, he was this helpless child, right? But on the cross, he was the king of kings in a moment of suffering and agony, but it was for us to take away our sins, to take away our disobedience, and to bring us new life. So the big question for us is, are we willing to present to Jesus our best this Christmas. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out this morning. Because we have a choice at Christmas. And there are those of you for whom, for whom this is a new story. And you would say, boy, I've really never heard the whole story of Jesus. And there is so much more. And by the way, uh, as we begin the new year, uh, we're going to be going through the book of Mark and uh, taking, that, uh, taking us all the way up to Easter time because we're going to discover who this Jesus really is in all of his glory and all of his humanity and all of his divinity, right? Can't wait for, uh, can't wait for that. But are, are you willing in this Christmas season to do just like the shepherds? to do just like these wise men and give all of yourselves to him. Um, and thinking about the myrrh and thinking about that suffering side, I was talking with somebody and praying with somebody uh, yesterday over the phone. And uh, um, when, when I finished my conversation uh, with him, it was... Uh, just this long-term thing that's holding on to him about a tragedy in his life and, and really struggles with that. And I reminded him that we have a God who is aware of our suffering and a God who came down to earth knowing full well that that suffering was going to be part of his experience because suffering is part of the human experience. And so today, whether you are suffering uh, through difficulty in your life, maybe you lost a job or there's something going on in your family, know that God is with you. And even in the middle of your suffering and difficulty, 
Maybe others of you this year, even though it's been difficult, man, there are some incredible blessings that have showed up in your life this year. Remember, God is the God of generosity and he is here with us as well. So every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. You're here this morning, you would say, I know, Pastor, that I need Jesus in my life. And whether it's a first-time decision, and uh, perhaps you're online as well, and this is a first-time decision, or you have served Jesus for a long time, and you would say, I just know that I've got areas of my life that I haven't trusted him. And you would say, I need to give myself again to Jesus this Christmas. If that's you, wherever you fall on that spectrum, can you just lift your hand up and just say, I know that I need Jesus in my life in a new way way today. If that's you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands up. Lots of hands up. Folks, you're not alone in this decision, not alone in this uh, moment of dedication to him. And so, Father, we are grateful for this time that we have together. Father, I thank you that you are the God who is with us. And that's followed by an exclamation point. God, you are really with us. And God, the celebration that the angels had, Lord, is that that proclamation of glory and power and authority over this creation. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are with us. Father, there are some who are suffering uh, during the season, and Lord, I pray that you would be close to them. Others, God, who have experienced your blessings, and Lord, I ask that you would be close to them as well as they're able to share their blessings with those around them. And so, Lord, thank you that you are radically generous to us. And so, God, we give back to you radical praise. We give back to you radical uh, generosity in the way that we live our lives because, God, we know that you are worth it. And, Father, I thank you that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. And so, Jesus, help us to be more like you. And, Lord, it starts with us giving ourselves to you. And so, Lord, we do this willingly today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. I ask for your blessing upon this congregation. And God, let this Christmas season be especially blessed this year. Uh, God, the journey we've been on has been tough. But Lord, I thank you that you've been with us every step of the way. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Don't forget Christmas Eve services 4 and 5 p.m. on Thursday. We will see you then. God bless you.